everybody. My name's Cindy Chikini, and I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Cindy. And um, thank you for having me at your meeting tonight. I probably meet it, need a meeting as much as anybody else here in this room, so it's good to be here tonight. Um, and so my job here tonight is to tell you in a general way what I was like, what happened to me, and what I try to be like today. So that's what I'm going to try to do. <clears throat> and I'm going to get right into it because we don't we have to be out of the parking lot by 8:30 I heard. So <laughs> I became a rule follower follower in AA. Prior to that it was almost like they want us out of here by 8:30 forget it. I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> but it's different today. And I found that if I follow the rules my life is a lot easier too. So um So uh I grew up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I um I grew up in one of those houses that looked really good from the outside. In fact, everything at my house was always, like, had to look perfect. We, I grew up in that house, you know. And I have a mom and a dad, and I have an older brother. And um, our house was red brick, and we had a white picket fence all the way around the house. And it was a big yard, so we had this fence all the way around the, the house. And this is like, I grew up in the 50s and the 60s, and... This is long before weed whackers, so I'll tell you this little story about how our house had to look. So um, my dad would, like, first off, Pittsburgh, it's, it's snowy and rainy all the time. There's like 30 days of sun in Pittsburgh. So wood, and everything was wood back then, it's hard to keep wood white and not chipped, but our fence was always no chips. It wasn't like, you know, it was nice. So, but in the summer when my dad would, would cut the grass, he had these poles pounded into the ground, and he had these rings on the side of the fence. So he would pick the fence up off the poles, set it over to the side, cut the grass, put the fence back on the poles, and there were no little blades of grass sticking up around our fence. You know what I'm saying? It was, it was perfect. So that's, that just gives you an idea of how intense it was in my house. So my dad on, on Sunday or Saturday, he would wash the cars and he'd cut the grass. And my mom is one of those really nice moms that makes a meal. And we would all sit at the table, would have bread and butter, probably that Wonder Bread on the table, and, and would have this meal. And then my dad would get showered and dressed and, and all cleaned up, and he'd go out with another woman. And that caused a little tension in the house. And um, not all the time, but sometimes. And, and back then we had one phone, and it was on the kitchen wall. And if my dad didn't answer the phone. There might be a hang-up. And my mom, see, my mom's just like really nice lady, and she's a peacekeeper. So she might say something. She might not say something. But there might be a fight, and my dad might leave and slam the door, and it might come off the hinges or knock the phone off the wall. So this is Saturday night like tonight, right? And there, you know, it was, it was intense, but... Um, Sunday morning, I'm going to tell you what, you wake up, everything's back to normal, we got dressed, all dressed up, got in the car, went to church, sat in a pew next to my grandpa, my Uncle Art and Aunt Blanche, my cousin David were behind us, like nothing happened, you know what I mean? It was that house, and we were happy, there's a lot of love in my house, my dad went to work every day, we had, it wasn't like we had needs it was I'm just telling you there was a little bit of that going to school wondering what's going to happen what's it what's going on you know that kind of thing like I can't focus not why I'm an alcoholic I'm just telling you about my house right another thing about growing up is I was born without my left hand 
and I know this looks really good, it should for $27,000. And um, sometimes you're going to see me, I have one hand, sometimes you're going to see me, I have two hands. It's a lot having growing up with one hand. Um, I always say next life I'll have uh, two hands and, um, you know, just a few other things I would like, but uh, <laughs> I won't share it here, but, um, you know, I'm not alcoholic because I have one hand. I'm alcoholic because I take a drink of alcohol and I love the effect caused by alcohol. I love that ease and comfort that comes immediately to me when I take a drink of alcohol. And I'm not that kid that was, was teased in school. I'm the teaser because, see, whatever we're doing at school, if we're doing, and we used to have phys ed. I don't know if they have that today, but we used to have phys ed, and we would play pickup basketball or do cartwells or flips. And I'm a kid that I have to do one-handed cartwells because whatever you're doing, I have to do better. And my dad is like, he's a perfectionist, and he was always that guy that had to, was like always like extreme. And I know how to do backflips off of high dives and water ski, and I put myself in danger. Like physical things I shouldn't really have been doing. Like I, I could have said, hey, you know, I think I'll sit out. Most girls were sitting out. I'll sit out on this one. And um, no one would have even batted an eye, but I have to do what you do to feel just as, as to feel like you. And um, what I want to tell you is I don't have to do that anymore. And there was a time when, when someone would ask me, because a lot of times you'll see me, I have one hand, and people ask me all the time, what happened to your hand? And there was a time when someone would ask me what happened to my hand, and I would have to let you know I was born without my hand, but I'm okay, and la da 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 like this big thing, so you were okay with me. And what happened to me in AA, from uh, coming here and, and really getting to know you, and being the cookie person or the greeter or the secretary and coming early to the meeting and saying to you, hey, how you doing? And you saying, well, you know, I, um, I'm trying to get my kids back or, you know, I'm trying to get a job. And then the next week saying, hey, how's that job search? And you say, well, I have another interview and like rooting for you. And even with all the crap you had in your past to, to root for you, where am I going with this? What I, what, I, what I know is God wants good things for me, and God wants good things for you. And, um, yeah, I have one hand, but it is, like, it's okay. Um, I'm not alcoholic because I have one hand. My story isn't I took a drink of alcohol and I felt like I had two hands. That's not my story. <laughs> I've taken a drink and lost my hand. Like, woke up the next day and thought, where the heck is that hand? And then I have to, like, Go back. I remember calling my girlfriend before work one morning, saying, "My my hand is in your trunk. We were drinking this. Uh, we were drinking this sake, and I remember I had say a, a shirt, short sleeve shirt on and a jacket. I took my jacket off. I said, "I'm going to put my hand in your trunk. I forgot. It's like a lot. It's a lot. But um, so uh, anyway, I just um. It's just, it's just a part of my story. And again, it's not, I'm not alcoholic because I have one hand. And so I grew up in this house. I'm living in Pittsburgh, and I'm in high school in, in the 70s. You know, peace, love, rock and roll. But I'll tell you what, back in the 70s, a lot different than now. You could get slapped. Anybody could slap you. Like your, your, your friends, parents could slap you. 
and it was like not even a big deal. I remember one time knocking this uh, like planter over at my friend's house with this dust in it, and I'm not dust, but like sand or something. And my and my friend's mom called my parents and said she knocked this thing over, and they said. My parents were like, we're so sorry. And they said, well, we're going to slap her. And they said, slap her and tell her she's going she's gonna to get slapped when she gets home. You know, it's like, that's how it was. And I, anyways, I don't like it getting slapped. So I, I like live be, between the, the lines, you know, as much as possible. And what does that mean? That means that I was really careful in high school drinking that Boone's Farm and that Strawberry Hill. And uh, we had drank this ripple, you know, I don't know if that's around, but a little bit on the weekends. But when I went to college, the party was on. And I love if that's caused by alcohol. You know, we'd drink a, little, uh, drink a lot and smoke that weed. And we used to take this mescaline and just, it was stupid. It's just, you just lay there and you look at all the trees and I don't know. And here I am, you know, and um, so that I go to this college, and if you if you know Pennsylvania, I live in Pittsburgh, so it's sort of western, southwestern Pennsylvania. I went to a college on Lake Erie, so it's in northwestern Pennsylvania. So, and it's like two hours from Pittsburgh, just perfect for my parent to get away, you know. So I go to this school, and my parents pay for everything, everything, school books education, apartments, clothes. We used to have these eight-track tapes. They bought all those. And and I would come home on some weekends, and I would come home already, you know, drunk, have a buzz going, and get cleaned up, go out with my girlfriends at 2, 3, 4 in the morning, come home, wake up the next day late, get my mom to take me shopping, complain the whole time that I'm not getting what I need, and uh, buy me, buy me, and all this other stuff, and um, never say to my mother one time, hey, mom, let's have lunch, or hey, mom, let's buy something for you, or, or just nothing, because I, I don't care. It's all about me. You know, that's the kind of person I am. Then the next day, I, I, uh, I do the same thing Saturday night. Next day, I wake up, I go to church with them, I leave for school. My mom has all my clothes packed all my clothes washed, food for me to take back to school. They give me money. I never sit with them and look them in the eye and say, hey, Dad, how's your job? What do you do with that job anyways? Thank you for an education. I, I just, I don't care. I don't think like that. I just care about me and my good time. And I don't have plans for the future. My, my plan is today party. I was always living a day at a time, actually, long before AA. And, uh, so I get out of this school and I graduate, I don't even know how. I have a degree in psychology and like Freud, who is he? I don't even know. I, I, he was the father of psychology, so one of my friends told me. But other than that, I don't know and I don't even care. And nothing on psychology, but it was just a good time. And I got out of that school and I went to work in the steel mill. I lived at home with my parents. My father was a manager there. And if you know anything about Pittsburgh, and this is like the late 70s, it was it was all steel mills. And um, I was, what, 20, 21, 22? And in this steel mill I worked at, I worked at a steel mill called Duquesne Works. There was about 12,000 men and maybe 275 women. And I was 21. I had an amazing time. It was amazing. And 
And I lived at home, and my life, my brother had moved out, and he's one of those guys that has a plan, and um, I'm living at home, and and I, I'm not the girl that on payday, I call my parents or my mom and say, hey, mom, can I pick up the groceries tonight, or can I take you and dad out to dinner? I'm the girl that calls my mom and says, hey, mom, can you iron that white blouse that's downstairs? I want to wear it tonight. That's how I am. It's just I'm selfish and self-centered to the core. That's who I am. And I'm not proud of that. But that's the kind of person I am. And, um, you know, it, it takes my breath away what Alcoholics Anonymous does. That you could take a girl like me and turn her into a girl like me. And I used to think that it was a long step to do that. And the longer I'm here, the more I realize it's not a long step. It's really, it's really short. Um, and it happens overnight, in, and we, we don't realize it. I think we see it in other people, but we don't realize it in ourselves when we really start looking at someone in the eye and saying, how are you? Because that just wasn't, that wasn't part of, that wasn't me. I might have asked you, but it was like, well, I was asking because it was coming back to me somehow. I don't know how to explain it. Maybe you understand what I'm saying. And, um, so I'm working in a steel mill, and I'm living at home. My life was like work, bars, there was a bunch of neighborhood bars. My car is, I would work shifts, so I would work like a 3 to 11, 11 to 7, 7 to 3, and I worked in the office. It was just, it was insane. And I would park my car in front of the bar thinking, oh, God's will. I never thought my mom goes to the grocery store here, our church is down the street, my grandfather goes to the credit union down here, my dad's a manager in this meal. I should park in the back. It's 7 a.m. No, I park right in front because that's who I am. And I, um, what happened in 1980, the Steelers were coming out here to the Super Bowl, and so was I. And I'm still here, actually. And, um, <laughs> and um, I came to that game, and I talked two girls in a bar into driving out here with me, and they reported to my father. My father was their manager, and we came out to that game, and I stayed with some friends of mine from college in Garden Grove, and I dropped these girls off at a hotel, and I picked them up to go to the game, and it was just crazy, because I'm, you know, I'm in charge. I'm driving the car. We get there, and um, Steelers won that game, by the way, but um, <laughs> I shouldn't even say that, because that's, that's what's, that's an outside issue, but um, <laughs> Uh, um, what was I going to say? I have a piece of glitter on my nose. I've been wrapping gifts and cook baking today, and it's just whatever. And um, so I, we go to this game, and after the game, all these people from Pittsburgh were going to this place in Marina Del Rey, and the Steelers were going to be there, and then some of my other friends were going to this other club. And I have these two girls with me from Pittsburgh, right? And I'm, this is the kind of friend I am. Hey, we're going to this other club. Well, if you say, hey, i got to get my purse, or let me use the restroom, or let me give this guy my number, whatever you say, I don't care. If you're not right on my heels, I'm leaving you. And I left these girls in the club in Marina Del Rey and, and just thought, I remember driving away and seeing them in the rearview mirror, and they're like, hey, wait. <laughs> just slowing me down. I left. And the next day, they came to my girlfriend's house to get their luggage out of the trunk of my car, and they gave me that look. And I didn't think, oh, my goodness, I better tell them something or, you know, make up some kind of cockamamie excuse. Or, I just thought, just get out of here. 
And they did, but that's how I am. I don't care. I just don't care. I didn't, I should have thought, like, oh, my gosh, what are they going to tell my dad? I don't care. So I stayed here, and my I got a job. Well, I got an apartment because I'm a check collector, too. You know, now I'm collecting unemployment checks, and I get a job. And because my parents came out here, and it's a long story, but it, in the 80s, like Pittsburgh, California, it was like the fruits and the nuts come here. And and I come from a really nice family. My parents both have six brothers and sisters. Like there's six on this side, six on this side. Everybody talks. It's not like nobody doesn't talk. If there's a wedding, everybody goes to the wedding. That's the kind of family I'm from. And I left. They were like, my dad, I remember going to me, what do you think you're going to do, Cindy, roller skate through life? Because I just wanted to skate on that strand in Redondo Beach and drink that vodka. I'd wake up in the middle of the night. I'd have vodka all over me and think, who did this? And I'm alone, you know? It's just, but I don't know that's alcoholism. So it just, I got a job. I got a boyfriend. And I'll give you, this is how I am. You know, I look good. I'm young. I look good. I know how to act. But you never know when I'm going to go sideways. And it's something that clicks in my head. And sometimes it, it's because I'm too drunk, but sometimes it's just me. It's just that there's never enough for Cindy. I'll give you an example. We were at a wedding one night. I'll make this quick. So, we, and I'm young, you know, we're at a wedding. I think we were like in Montrose or something. Nice wedding. And I go, I say, I'm going to go use the restroom. And he says, I'll wait right here. Okay. I come out of the restroom and he's standing over there at the bar talking to this other girl big red flag for me, and I walk over, I'm cool, hi, he goes like, this is Debbie, Debbie's getting married to Dave, and he was, she was, they were telling me, or she was telling me that they're going to go to Cabo on their honeymoon, oh, that's nice, you know, I'm like, all oh, cool, oh, that's nice, and she walks around, I'm like, hey, you said you were going to stand over there, and he goes, well, I just came over here to get us a couple of drinks, Cindy, here you go. But you said you were going to stand over there and you're talking to that girl. Well, that's Debbie. She, she's getting married to Dave. You know Dave. I went to the restroom. You said you were going to stand over there. You were over here talking to that girl. Like, I can't get over that little bump. I just can't. You know what I mean? I just can't make it over. And he's like, he says that dreadful thing. Don't worry about it. Don't tell me what to worry about it. And you know what? Screw you, who needs you anyways? And that's my story. Screw you, who needs you anyways? And if I have my car, I leave with that self-righteous, they're wrong. Now, meanwhile, he's standing there like, what happened? <laughs> what just happened here? I don't even know. But it's all up here, you know. And I, it's not like I can't do this today. I can. But you gave me tools. You gave me tools, a sponsor and friends that I could be honest with. And prayer and meetings. I go to a meeting, it's like I walk out, it's like, wow, who changed the scenery out here in this world? Because when I walked in there, I wasn't looking this way. And But, uh, you know, and then what I do is I go home, I pass out, boom, I wake up. Did it happen or didn't it happen? And I get that feeling. And I don't know if you've ever had that, like, dreadful feeling. And initially, you could call them and make up some kind of excuse, and they take you back. The bird died, I drank too much, yada, yada, yada. And eventually what they used to do then is just unplug the phone, you know. And you know what I do? 
I take a drink. And I take a drink, and then it's screw you, who needs you anyways? And I'm just off to the next bar, the next person, the next job, the new, next best friend. Because I do that with anybody. I do that with girlfriends, boyfriends, jobs. If you just, it's, it's that disease of perception I have when I go, you know. So anyways, I'm going along in life, and I meet this new guy, and I start drinking this 151 rum, my favorite drink. I love 151 rum. And if you're not done, have some 151, because that stuff will get you, it'll get you into AA, I think. <laughs> it'll do something, it got, I don't know. It gets your attention, that's for sure. So anyways, I'm drinking that, and I'm wrecking cars, I'm a car wrecker, and I'm working at Douglas Aircraft in Long Beach. I go to work one day and drunk in the morning, because now I'm a morning drinker. And um, they, they were going to take me to the infirmary because they said I was drinking. This is 1985. And I left, and they said to come back at noon for my final check. I go back. I had a, I don't, they, Mazda used to make this car. It's called an RX-7. It had these little headlights. I had a brand new one. It was a beautiful car. I used to hit that thing up so much, but it always had to look good because I had that thing that everything has to look good, right? But the one headlight, like, kind of winked, poor thing. <laughs> but anyways, I wrecked that car for the last time underneath the, the runway at the Long Beach Airport. And I went to jail at 11 o'clock in the morning. My alcohol content was 0.32. And, um, I mean, that's not nearly the highest I've heard in AA, but I think it qualifies me given it was morning drinking. And um, and then if I could just tell you the day got worse, if you could believe it. That it actually, I got out of jail. It was different in 85. I got out at like 5 o'clock. A policeman drove me home. But it, it, it just got worse. And the next day I woke up and I called my dad in Pittsburgh. He'd given me some guns to protect myself because that's how we deal with things in my family. And um, I called my dad and I said, uh, I told him I was going to kill myself. And I think I need help. I have a problem with alcohol. Now, what I meant was, please send money. <laughs> but I scared the crap out of my dad. And my big brother was living in, in uh, San Fernando Valley, and the guy adores his little sister. And the police came. My dad called the police. He was worried sick. And, and my dad is not a wishy-washy. He's like, a, we can handle this guy. He doesn't call the police. He is the police. You know what I mean? He's that guy. And um, uh, that's what I do to the people that love me the most. I just tear them up. I just, they call me. I never call them back. They call me on my birthday. I can't, I don't have time to talk. I never say thank you. I call you and tell you I'm going to kill myself 3,000 miles away. That's what I do. And, um. My brother came down that day, and it was terrible. And my dad was here the next day on a Sunday, and and um, he had gotten some information to take me to the Pacific Group. And on Wednesday, he took me to that meeting up in West LA, and we were told Clancy would be waiting for us. And Clancy, I don't, I've never heard of AA. My dad's never heard of AA, but we went to AA, and and uh, Clancy took us in that meeting, and he sat me like over here next to this really pretty blonde girl, and. And she raised my hand when they asked for people in their first seven days. And I don't really know what was going on at that meeting. And, um, but the girl from the podium talked about taking a drink in the morning and looking in the mirror and thinking there's something wrong with this picture. 
And I didn't think, oh, I, that's me. I just remember that. And I, um, my dad took me home, drove me back, packed me up, drove me all the way to Pennsylvania, and they put me in a 28-day treatment program. Probably, maybe like some of you are here tonight. And I learned, um, and it was hell for my dad driving across the country, because he didn't know about alcoholism. And he certainly didn't believe his daughter was an alcoholic. But I would say to my dad, when he would stop for gas, I didn't drive one mile across the country because I would just lay in the back and complain the whole time. Turn off that music. I don't want to hear any love story. I mean, it was just like I was so sickening. It's unbelievable. And I would say to my dad, hey, Dad, I'm having my period. I need money. And he'd be pumping gas, and I'd go into the gas station, and I'd come out drunk, and he'd be like, what the hell, Cindy? Because he doesn't know that I'm going to do anything to get a drink. When we would stop at a hotel, there was a restaurant across the street. I said, Dad, I'm going to go over there and get you a piece of pie. And you know what happened. Next thing is my dad's dragging me out of the bar. He doesn't know about alcoholism. And they put me in this treatment center, and I learned how to drink Listerine and NyQuil in there. And I got out, and I started that full yourself drinking, you know. And it, it started with that, and then I'm just back to my half pints of vodka. I like that gulp, 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 out the car window. And I get that cool, that warm feeling, you know. And I, I feel comfortable in my own skin. And I have found that here in Alcoholics Anonymous. Thank God. And... Um, what happened is, is I got out of that place, and I'm drinking, and I'm living with my mom. My parents were divorced then, but friendly, and, and I'm uh, living with my mom, and I'm going to a meeting every single night. A retired couple would pick me up in Pittsburgh at my mom's every night, and I'd go to that meeting, and they never said anything about the way I smelled, and I smelled like alcohol every day, and that's the love in Alcoholics Anonymous, and please, if you drink, come back. Get someone to drive you to the meeting. I mean, today you have Uber. Come on. No one's going to judge you. This is Alcoholics Anonymous. We just want each other to be sober. I'm so grateful for that. And I went to meetings. And it was a Saturday night. I went to a meeting. It was November 1st, 1986. And I went to that meeting. And I went home to my mom's house. And um, I went up to that bedroom that I grew up in. And I felt, smelled this funky smell. And my mom is clean. She washes bananas. That's how clean she is. And um, she rinses them off. She says monkeys climbed on them. And, um, <laughs> and I went up to that room, and there was this funky smell, and it was me. And I had that moment of grace where I thought, I don't want to live like this anymore. And, um, and the next day I went to three meetings, and I didn't tell anybody I was going to be sober because I didn't think I could do it. And that was my, that's been my sobriety date, November 2nd, 1986. And, um, you know, it, it's just uh, what happened is I stayed in Pittsburgh, and, and I got a little job. I sprayed cologne in the mall. It was like this time of the year, Christmas. I wore this full-on reindeer outfit, and if you bought polo cologne, you got to take your picture with me, and, and it was awesome. And. I stayed in Pittsburgh for six months, and that boyfriend got in touch with me and said, why don't you come back to California? I was going to meetings, and I wanted to be sober. I didn't have a sponsor. And, and I, um, I came back to California, and I, uh, this is who I am at six months of sobriety. I left on Mother's Day. Selfish girl. 
and I came here and I, I was living in Hawaiian Gardens and on Monday I went to the Seal Beach Monday night speakers meeting and this gal turned around when I introduced myself and said I just moved here from Pittsburgh and she said, welcome to our meeting, my name's Cheryl. And I said, you know, you look familiar. What meetings do you go to? And she said, I go to the Pacific Group. And um, I said, you're the gal that Clancy sent me next to at my first meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous. And she was sober 11 years at the time, and she looked really pretty, and she seemed nice, and I asked her to be my sponsor that day. And Cheryl Cohen is still my sponsor today. And um, my mother says this, she's the best thing that ever happened to me. And she wasn't always so nice to me, though. Sometimes she was really mean, and uh, really mean. And um, But, you know, she taught me this. Return cards here. That means me. And she told me if I follow the rules, my life will get better. And I found that to be true. And she taught me about commitments. And she taught me about being of service. And she taught me about getting to the meeting on time and sitting in, the, in my seat and not making not interrupting other people. And, um, you know, it's just, uh, it's been a journey here in Alcoholics Anonymous. I've gotten married to that, that fellow that, that I came out here to be with, and we were married 14 years. I was a sober bride. I got married in that church. I grew up in, in Pittsburgh, and my parents were there, and my family, and, um, and we lived here. We bought a house in Mission Viejo. I went back to school. I, I was able to get a master's degree from Pepperdine. I'm not smart at all, but I got that thing. You have one. I want one. So other people had MBAs. I wanted one. And, and uh, when I graduated, I graduated this time. I think actually this time of the year in 1999, yes, today, we rented a stretch limo, my parents, my sister-in-law, my brother, my niece and nephew, my husband. We, we went up to Pepperdine and I walked and my parents could not have been more proud. And Alcoholics Anonymous did that for my parents. And, um, you know, it, it, that fellow ended up being an alcoholic. He came into AA. He was a good guy and he drank and he'd get sober and eventually it was time for us to just take a break. And, and we divorced. and. And I fell in love with a, a buddy of mine from my home group. I went to the Wednesday night Laguna Beach meeting, um, South Coast Speakers meeting on Wednesday night. And my, my uh, husband and I have been married 14 years. And we live down the street here at Moulton and like Marina Hills, a little bit past that. And we have a good life. And Alcoholics Anonymous is a big part of our lives. And I go to work every day. And my father moved to Phoenix, and my brother lives in San Diego. My mom was in Pittsburgh, and about eight years ago, I went to my brother, and I said, you know, we need to bring mom here, and because now I'm the kid that I go home for my mom's birthday, and I'm there for Mother's Day, and my mom's with us on Christmas. And, and um, so we brought my mom to a really nice assisted living in San Diego. She was closer to my brother, and it was like $1,500 less a month in San Diego. So I got to go there every weekend, and I talked to my mom every day. My father got sick in Phoenix, and, and I was with my father for weeks. Just every weekend I would work all week, and I would fly out to be with my dad. And I was with him when he passed, and, and I got to thank him for bringing me to you and for that, all that school and, and laugh about that fence. And, you know, I'm so grateful I had that time. And then my mom, my mom was in San Diego, and, and um, she's the best. And she'll tell you what, she was the best dressed lady in that assisted living, too. <laughs> she had pearls on every day, and 
And um, there was always a Macy's bag and package coming for her because of you. Thank you. Thank you. And my mom got really sick in July of this year. She was sick for three months. And she passed on September 29th. And I was with her and I was holding her. I'm really sad, but I'm really grateful too. My mom was old and she was ready. She loved Alcoholics Anonymous. Anonymity, oh no. I would go see her. Sometimes if I was talking in San Diego, I'd be walking around and she'd say, my mother, my, uh, my mother, my daughter's going to talk at an AA meeting tonight. <laughs> but, um, gosh, the joys of Alcoholics Anonymous. And, and um, I get to sponsor women in AA, and that's, that's a joy it's, uh, to watch people grow and their lives to get better. I know that, you know, we have a, we have a disease that will take us down. It's, it'll just take us down. Um, but we don't have to let that happen because we get tools here, right? I'll tell you a quick story and then I'll, I'll, I'll sit down. You know, I told you about that car I had, that Mazda, right? This is a secret, okay? <laughs> Just between us. I work for that company today. And they give me a car to drive. Like every nine months I have to get a new car. And my husband. Like how does that happen? They, it, but that's what happens here, you know? And then you sit back and you think, how do you get from there to here? And again, it's, it's, it's just like, um, it's not that, it's, it's, it's simple. Some days it's not easy. But if we don't drink and we just do like the next indicated thing and, and sometimes that God, that good orderly direction, just all that stuff, it works. It really works. And um, thanks for listening to me tonight. Thank <laughs> you.